Praise the Lord. I want you to open up in this morning in the book of Haggai. I'll give you a little bit of time if you've got your Bible here to open up there. I want you to bring your Bibles to church because it's always good when you write in your own Bible and make marks in it. It's only you can make marks. Some people say it's so holy the book I don't want to make marks in it. But um, is it on? Everybody can hear me? Am I on? Good. So, um, and you can make marks in your Bible. And it's always good that if you want to find a passage, or if you want to read, or if you want to write something down that we said, you can do it in, in that passage there. Amen. So, uh, this morning I want to spend, and for the next few weeks, work a little bit in this book, in the book of Haggai. Haggai is a prophet. It's uh, at the back of the prophets in your Bible. And today I'm going to start talking about procrastination. Now let me just say at the start of the sermon and of the series, you are going to be challenged. Everybody in this place is going to be challenged. And let me also assure you that I am and I was and I were and I has been and everything you can throw in there challenged by preparing these messages for you. And this is the thing. This is what the Word of God needs to do. It needs to challenge you. Every single time you open up the Word of God, it needs to challenge you. Why? Because God is busy changing you into the image of His Son. Everything changes around us. Your life is changing, whether you like it or not. Circumstances around you will push you in a direction where you will find yourself maybe next week, maybe the week after, maybe next year, a few years from now, but everything changes in life. And so we need to change in our lives constantly. And we need the Word of God to challenge us to change. And this is one of those. The book of Haggai, the prophecy that came through this prophet. So without any further ado, let's read the passage. Now what I'm going to do is, this is part one, because I mean there's just so many things I can talk to you and I can keep you here for the next three hours. Somebody shouts, hallelujah! No, don't. Because otherwise I can't keep you here for three hours. There's just so much in here. So much weight, so much things we can take out of this. So I'm going to read you the passage and over the next few weeks we're going to preach out of the passage that I'm reading to you right now. But let the Word of God speak to your heart right now. Haggai chapter 1 verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the Word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Sethniel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Zodadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, now listen what they say, The time has not come, negative, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourself to dwell in your paneled houses, and this temple lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Think about that. 
meditate, contemplate. Verse 6, you have sown much and bring in little. You eat and you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, listen to this, it sounds like our day right now, he who earns wages, earns wages to put it into a bag with holes. Don't you just love the word of God? A bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Turn to the person next to you and say, consider your ways. Come on. In verse 8 he says, Go up into the mountain and bring wood and build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much. Again, this is our day. But indeed, it came to little. And when you brought it home, it blew away. And now the Lord asked the question, why? Isn't that a question that a lot of people ask? Oh, but why, God? Why, oh why? He says it there, and you ask why, says the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house, therefore the heavens above with will hold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, and whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel the son of Sethiel, and Joshua the son of Zodazak, the high priest with the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God has sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Verse 13, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke to the Lord's message to the people, saying, I'm with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit within Zerubbabel, the son of Sethiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Zerazak, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. And twenty-four day on the sixth month, in the second year of King Darius. How wonderful is the public reading of the Lord's word. It's the Holy Scriptures. It is the blessed words of our Lord. Now, one thing whenever you come to the Word of God and you read prophecy, whether you read it in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, there's always a threefold application of the Scriptures. First of all, there is a local application. And we need to understand and always, always put the Scripture back into context. Otherwise, we are preaching falsities. So, this is the local application. The nation was there. They physically came and they had to build the temple. And they didn't do it back in the day. And the word of the, God, uh, the Lord came to the prophet and he spoke to them. That's a local application. But then also, there's a prophetic application. And the prophetic application is the word spoke into the chasms of time that is to come. You and I are living in that time. 
the time to come. So this is why, my dear brother and sister, this is why when we preach the Word of God, we preach it from Genesis to Revelation. Because in the Old Testament, it was the Word to come. We were looking forward to, the, to, to Christ coming to the earth. Now, we're looking backwards to the cross, but also forward for His coming again. Are you looking forward to that? This church believes in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Soon and very soon, we are going to see our King coming through the clouds to receive us unto Him. So that is the prophetic application. So though the words were written back in their day, it still speaks of our day and age. Because let me tell you this, if you look at the world today, there is no time for God in this world. There's no time for it. There's time for sport. There's time for politics. There's time to make build big buildings. There's time to spend money on highways and byways. But there's no time for God in the world. Is that right? But then, there's a third application of the Scriptures always. And that is a personal application. So, yes, the Word was written for them in their day. Yes, it's a prophecy for us speaking into the chasms of times. But then also, this Word is written for you personally. For you and for me. And this is what I'm going to preach about, for you and for me. Because this Word speaks to you today. Because let me tell you, brother and sister, whether you like to hear it or not, you're going to be challenged. Because my question and the question of the Lord this morning is going to be, how much time do you give God? Personally, I'm not saying, but, whoa, wait a minute, preacher, I've been caught up with my work, I've been caught up. No, no, how much time are you giving God? And now we're going to put a bow tie around it and call it procrastination. How much are you procrastinating in serving God? It's a powerful message, would you say? It's a message that the world needs to hear today. It's a message that you and I need to hear today. And let me tell you again, when I prepared this sermon, when I prepared this series, reading through this chapter over and over again, believe you me that the Spirit of God is testing this man's heart. He's asking me the same question. The Word of God says it's a two-edged sword. Who knows what's a two-edged sword? It is sharp on both sides. So if it cuts that way, it cuts backwards as well. And this is the application. So Haggai appeared on the scene. We know back in the day that King Cyrus, he was a pagan king. He was stirred up by God. Uh, the nation was in captivity. Jerusalem was utterly destroyed. The temple was destroyed. Then this king, King Cyrus, he was stirred up by God. He's a pagan. He's not, he's not one of God's children, but God stirs his heart up. And he approaches the children of God and he says to them, you must rebuild Jerusalem. And in fact, not only Jerusalem, he stirred up to say, you must build the house of God. You must go back. And we read all about that in Ezra, in 50, uh, 536, before the return of Christ, or before Christ came. Ezra went with 50,000 people back to the Holy Land. 50,000 people. You're going to go read the numbers in Ezra. And when they went back, they had to start building the walls. And if you know, and if you read through that, it wasn't an easy thing to do. 
because the people around it started to see what's going on here and wall is a, is a power and they said we can't return the power to them so first the people around came to the Jewish people to, to the Israelites they said let us help you build the walls but no no God's work is done by God and by God's people alone and they said no, and these people started attacking them. So imagine yourself on the wall, working, building the wall with one hand, and with the other hand you're holding a weapon to defend yourself. This went on until they built the wall. And another thing which they did, one of the first things they did, is they, uh, they built an altar. An altar is a place to worship God. The word there for altar that you can go and look up is the word adolere. It means a high place, or you can even say it's the table of the Lord. And if you think of the Old Testament, the table of the Lord was a place where they brought animals and sacrificed them to God. But that was only from man's way where you see the animal lying there on the table. But it was also the place where God visited His people miraculously at the altar. They would burn the animals there and God will take the animals the sweet aroma as forgiveness for their sins I haven't got time to go into each one of those who would remember on uh, on the mountain when the prophet digged a hole and all of Baal's prophets were there and fire came from heaven and burned up the offering who remembers that it's a visitation from God but you see here's the thing Abram also built the altars. He built altars. It's a worship place to worship God and pitched these tents to show us that we never, never need to become comfortable in the world. This is what they did. So they built the sacrifice place, this place of sacrifice. But the problem is, brother and sister, God is not looking for sacrifices. He's looking for obedience. Think about that. We sacrifice so much, we say. Lord, I've given up so much to serve you. I sacrificed all of those things, but God is not looking for that. He's looking for obedience. And obedience is if He gives you a word to do something, you need to do it. We find this in 1 Samuel, chapter 2, 15, verse 22. Samuel came and he replied, he says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. So you see, the thing is, they laid the foundation of the temple, and 16 years later, the temple was still not built. It wasn't built. And then appears this prophet on. Haggai appears on the scene. And Haggai comes to them. And the purpose for his ministry, the whole purpose for two chapters in your Bible, was to awaken these lazy people. To stir them up. To encourage them to finish God's house, His temple. This is Haggai. Sixteen years. You can walk past the place and you see the foundation. And you know what they say walking past it? They say, oh, there's the foundation of the house of God. One day we will get to that. One day we will do that. But never touched it. It was always promise 
It is like promise without any wind behind it. It just falls flat on his face. Haggai was a man that God stirred up to come to them and to look them in the face and to say to them, I want to encourage you to keep on until you build the house of God, the place of dwelling for the Lord our God. So wonderful. In this book, we have four sermons. I'm going to bring you those four sermons in this two chapters. Each sermon has a local, a prophetic, and a personal application, as I said. And each sermon will deal with a sin in your heart. As he dealt with sin in their hearts that day. The first sermon I'm touching on today is about procrastination. Procrastination. Who knows what the word procrastination means? Let me tell you, I actually went in there. It is about misplaced priorities. That is what it is. We are living in a world of misplaced priorities. I looked at the word. Procrastination is the act of willfully delaying the doing of something that should be done. I look at my life so many times and I have to say, Oh Lord, I'm so guilty of so many things that I say. I'm going to get to it. But I willfully delay doing it. I make a decision not to do it. You know why? Because I say, oh, tomorrow I'll get to it. Is it only me? I'm feeling very lonely up here at the front. <laughs> tomorrow I'll get to it. And tomorrow comes, and what happens? Tomorrow I'll get to it. And you see, brothers and sisters, dear friends, we laugh at it because it's so funny in your physical life, but there's a spiritual application to this as well. There's many of things that God deals with you. You come in sermon after sermon, you sit under the preaching, the Holy Spirit touches your heart, and you know that you need to work on that thing. But you say, tomorrow, next time, I just want to have a little bit more fun with this, Lord. Maybe it's a sin. I just want to have a little bit more fun. I'll give it away, Lord. A pity sin. You know it's not right. And here comes Haggai this morning, and he points a finger right at your chest, and he says, I want to deal with that, with that thing right now. We need to address this right now. And through Haggai's pointing of the finger right on your chest, it's the Holy Spirit speaking with you, and he wants to address this thing about procrastination. Another word which we don't like for procrastination, is the word laziness. Just plain laziness. Amen? And the Bible talks about these things. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24, he says, The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man, the procrastinator, will be put to forced labor. How, how true is the word of God? Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of a lazy man, a procrastinator, desires much. And look, I know people, they are like that. They desire much, the world. But you know what? Tomorrow I'll stand in the queue at Lotto and buy and see if I can win that world. It's going to be like chaff in the wind. He says, this, this man, the soul of a lazy man, desire, oh, if I can only have, and has nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Remember, he talks about a soul here, okay? Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. And whatever you do, do it heartily, heartily, as to the Lord and not to men. This is what he addresses at the first part. These people were there 16 years, walking past 
and the foundation is not one stone. Not one stone on, on the foundation. Nobody stirred up, but they thought about themselves. But Haggai is going to talk about that. Now let's work in the scripture. Haggai chapter 1 verse 1. He says, in the second year of King Darius, the sixth month and the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Now look at these people he introduces here. First of all, it's Haggai the prophet and then Zerubbabel. This was a very important man with the rebuilding of the temple. He was the governor of Judah. Then Joshua was the high priest. So you had law and you had the Spirit of God. You had the Word of God. The priest is there and the governor is there. Those two ingredients to rebuild the temple. But then he says it came by Haggai the prophet. Haggai the prophet. And let me just say this today. There are so many people walking around who wants to be prophets. Self-proclaimed prophets. Just to say, thus says the Lord. I see today people run to it. But amazingly, I find in the Old Testament, these men wanted to run away from it. So amazing to me. Self-proclaimed apostles, self-proclaimed prophets. It happens in our day. Let's just look at this man for, for a minute or two. A prophet had to be chosen by God. He had to be chosen by God. It says here in our passage that the word of the Lord came to him. Came to him. So he was chosen by God to bring the message. Look at this. He had a specific message for a specific people. That's what a prophet does. A specific message for a specific people. You can't go wrong if you apply this. These people didn't build the temple. God stirred up a pagan king. They still didn't do it. God chose a man to bring them the message, you are procrastinating. You are looking after yourself. That's what a prophet had to do. You see, some wanted to be silent and run away. And they've all lost their lives. They all lost their lives because of what they said. These days when you hear prophecies, it's all feel-good prophecies. Oh, God's going to bless you, and God's this for you in the future, and God's this, and God say all of this. But these words were hard words. You read through all of the prophecies like I've done. I've read through them. You look at these words. They face people in their faces and say, you are sinning and God says it's a sin. But let me say to you, the world don't want to hear about sin anymore. It's not preached. Churches who preach sin will look like this. You see, I don't care. I will keep on preaching the word until I die and preach sin and sin is sin. Because if I'm not going to preach it, brother and sister, and they don't listen to the word of God, God's going to get your attention. We're going to see it in the message today. Any which way he's going to get your attention. But yeah, you know, we want to be a prophet. That says the Lord. That says to be that man. Oh, the man who stands up and everybody knows. Oh, there comes prophet so and so. Look, brother and sister, let me tell you. There's one thing in the Old Testament. I can tell you so many. You know, Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the prophet, the weeping prophet. He didn't want that. He was killed for that. There is so many of those that you can read, but these days, and here is the thing, here is the thing. A prophet, according to the Old Testament, had to be 100% correct. If not, he'd be stoned. 
100% correct. That's what a prophet needed to be. That means that if I come to you and say, Thus says the Lord, and it doesn't happen, oh, these days they say, Man, if you've got a 50% heat rate, that's fine. Some people say 95. Some people will even live with 97. Some will, you know, how many bees can I get for this? How many bits? Some will say 98. Some will say 99. Some will say 99.4. Some will say 99.7. Some will say 99.9. Let me tell you, if it is 99.9999999999 and it's not 100%, you're a false prophet. And in the Old Testament, they would stone you. I know somebody might grab this sound clip and go and play it out of context and say, oh, this guy say we need to kill these pretty modern-day prophets. You know how we do that? We, we expose them with the Word of God. So this is a prophet, a true prophet from God. That says the Lord, he says. It's important to understand these things. You say, but wait a minute, preacher. How does God speak to us then today if He doesn't speak to us through a prophet? Do you want to say he silence that? Wait a minute. We have the whole counsel of God. Right here. But the problem is, let's just be honest about this, okay? Whether you like what I'm saying or not, I'm going to say it anyway. The problem is people become too lazy to read the Word of God. They would go to every other extent but to open up the Scriptures and to start reading the Word of God. We'd much rather jump in your car and drive hundreds of miles and pay a lot of money, hopefully to go into a place, and this man looks me in the eyes and goes, Ooh, have I got a word for you. Watch out. You say, but you are out of Scripture. No, no, I'm standing on the Word of God. Don't challenge me, challenge the Word of God. We don't wait for a prophet to speak these days. We wait for the Word of God to speak. Every Sunday there's the Word of God. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1, it says, God who in various times, that means times of past, and in various ways, and I can open up that various ways, he, 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 listen, he even spoke through a donkey. Remember that? <laughs> and there you are, and you think you are so important because God uses you to preach the word of God. Man, he used the donkey. Become humble. The fact that I'm standing in front of you and preaching to you is, is, is not... Look, I can't even make one yittle or tintle or anything claim of being good in this. You, you, you know, you, we need to empty ourselves. You, uh, John says that. John says, I must decrease so that he may increase. He says in various ways he spoke in times past to the fathers. By whom? By whom? In the times of past, by whom? By the... Prophets. In times past, he spoke to the fathers by the prophets. Has these last days, are we living in the last days? In these last days, spoken to us by whom? By whom? Come on, church. His son. He's spoken to us by his son. Jesus himself said these words. He says, whatever the father tells me, I tell you. Whatever the father shows me, I show you. And this is scripture. 
This is written to you and to me to understand. Back in the day, he spoke to them by the prophets, by Haggai. He had to stir a man up. He had to raise this man, give him a specific message for a specific people. But now he says, in the last days, he's spoken through his son. But here is the problem again. For, for you to listen to the words of Jesus Christ and to understand them, you have to have a relationship with him. And that's the problem. This is a challenge this morning, isn't it? Let me just say, it's harder these days to listen to the Word of God than it was in the old time. And I'm going to prove that to you. Because in the old time, the prophet was stirred up and he spoke to the nation. You didn't have to have a relationship with the prophet. You only got the Word. And the Word said, the temple is in ruins. The foundation is late, but you're procrastinating because you're building your own houses. And that's where you got the word. These days, people read the word and they say, I don't get what you get. Is that right? I don't understand what you understand. I don't see why you get so excited about it. It's because you have to have a relationship with the Son of God. Because the Son of God turned to, to these disciples and said, If I go, I'll send a comforter, the Holy Spirit, and He'll be your teacher. I better get back to the Word because I think I'm preaching. I, I, I could preach a whole sermon around this. But we need to hear it because there's so much deception in the world today from the pulpits. And I'm not, listen to me, I'm not proclaiming I'm the only guy who's got the... No, no, I'm just preaching what's in front of me and I'm telling you, I'm telling you that the Word of God came so that these days we've got the Word of God. Now he says, we listen by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds. He made the worlds. Now you say to me, what if somebody come and they have a word of knowledge? Isn't that the work of the Holy Spirit? Yes, it is. I believe in that. But, but, sharp contrast, it needs to be backed up by Scripture. It needs to be backed up. The Word of God, if somebody come and they, even me, if I preach something contrary to the Word of God, I said it to you a few times, then you need to run for the door. Because then I'm deceiving you. And the Bible says you need to test every single small letter spirit, spirit of man who preaches to you the Word of God. And I stand under that. So, how did we get to the prophet? You see why I say it's going to take a little bit while to preach through two chapters? Because he says it there. And the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet. Now we know this is a true prophet of God. Let's have a look at this. I love the word of God. And I'm just going to pull it a little bit apart for you. In chapter 2 he says, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts. Have you noticed? Have you noticed what title he gives him? Haggai comes to them. And for the first time he uses this title, the Lord of hosts. That means that he's the host of the, the armies which you and I can't see, the spiritual armies. The power, the magnificent power of this Lord speaks here. He uses it 14 times in this prophecy. 14 times. He turns to them and he says, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. I think it's pretty important that you and I understand that when the Lord speaks to you and when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart that you need to listen because it's not just a man, it's the Lord of hosts to speak. So powerful. 
Now he says this now. Look at this now. He says, thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying what? This people. Have you noticed that? Wait a minute. Weren't these his people? Weren't they the chosen nation? Whenever I read about these people before the book of Haggai, he always calls them my people. But here he says this people. Can you see the disconnect there? Brother and sister, I want to be his child. I don't want to be this child. Who are you this morning? Have you got that relationship with him? It stands out clear that he says this people, the time has come, has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the problem, a prophet saying, is, this, uh, it, is it time for you yourself to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus is the Lord of hosts, you see, consider your ways. Consider your ways, people. Now the big thing that he's talking about and the big thing that you and I talk about today is this word, time time because you see if I ask you to do something what's the first thing you're working out in your mind whether you're going to have time to do it when I go to work they pay me 40 hours a week that's time isn't it right then when I sit down and I work out I've got to sleep how many how many hours do you sleep in a day that's time going away you're losing that time you will never get it back and then I'm saying, look, I've got to have a little bit of fun as well, you know. The doctors say I need to relax and kick back. What are you using? Time. You're using time. And here is the thing. The message to you and me is we need to look at our time. Because I find so many excuses these days. Sundays when I grew up was, was there to go to God's house and to serve God and to go to church. Now, if you think I'm trying to preach the church full and lay it on your heart, that's not what it's all about. It's your, your priorities that I want to touch this morning. How much time are you giving God in your day? How much time do you spend on God? He's asking for time, but we always say to Him, God, we haven't got time today. I haven't got time to pray, Lord, because I'm going to be late for work. I haven't got time because my friends are waiting for me and we want to go and have some fun. I haven't got time to even say hi to you. I haven't got time for this. I haven't got time for this, Lord. I haven't got time to read the Bible, Father. Because we are time poor. We're living in a time where people are time poor. We're always, always racing. Look outside. I remember back in the day, and, and look, I'm not giving away my age, I'm, I'm still young, okay? I'm, I'm still a young-looking old man, okay? I just said that, Kylie. But I remember back in the day on Sundays that shops would close. Would you remember that? And you would look on a Sunday, you wouldn't see so many cars driving up and past. But people are always racing to some place. On a Monday, you're racing to some place. I live in that world, I know what I'm talking about. I fly a lot, you know that. I always race to the airport. I race to the lounge. I race from the lounge to the gate. I race to get onto the plane. I always like to get first on a plane. Why? Because I don't want to stand around there with my back and there's no space for my back. I try to be at least in the first five on the airplane, okay? So that I can just quickly rub off my stuff and put my bag in and sit back and relax. 
But as soon as I sit back and relax, what happens? I'm starting to work out in my mind, how long is this flight going to take? And what am I going to do when I land there? And if I land there, how quickly can I get out? How quickly can I get out? And then there's four people in front of me and I go, mate, I'm on time here. Come on, come on, hurry up. And we become so impatient. So we, listen, this is the most impatient times we're living in in all of our lives. And then I get out of the plane and then I, I walk as fast as I can. I walk as fast as I can to get to the thing that gives me my back back. And then I wait there. Work that one out. Then I stand there. And now I'm waiting. And what is ticking away? Time. And then the light goes on and the wheels start spinning around and the bags come and I go, you know what the first thing is? I expect my bag to be the first bag out. I see the frequent flyers are laughing with me because they feel the same pain. And it ticks on and it ticks on and the bags come and the bags come and I don't see my silver bag and it comes and it comes and then I see my bag and I race for the bag. Excuse me, excuse me, grab the bag. Now I've got really right to race to get the, the rental car. I walk into the rental car and there's a queue. It is, we are all in the same. I mean, this is my little world I'm talking to you about. To do what? Just to get my car before the guy. I could see that guy walking with his back, and I go, he's going to hurt, he's going to hurt. I better walk faster. I walk faster, and I go, and he, you know, he look at me, and he goes, that guy's going to hurt, and he walks faster. <laughs> we are all just in time. You know, we're spending time. We want to save time for who? For who am I trying to save time? For myself. For myself, I want to be there first. And then I get the car and now I'm racing to the hotel. And then I'm in my car and I'm racing and there's cars in front of me and I go, man, I've got to get to the hotel. I've got to get to the hotel. Get to the hotel, go up to reception and there's people standing there. And I go, look, I'm a, I'm a platinum member. What's these people doing in the platinum line? There's two people in front of platinum. Go over there, go over there. You're not platinum. I'm platinum member. And this is how we live our lives. Just to save what? And then I'm in the hotel room and I sit down there and I go, Whew. Ah, what am I going to do now? <laughs> I've got so much time. <laughs> and all of that, all of that, just to save time for myself. And in all of that, how much did I stand back at that Aeroplane at that gate takes five minutes aside just to talk to the Lord. How much? We are all in the same thing. You see, this is why I mean the message that Haggai gave them back in the day was local, but it's also prophetic and it's also for you and for me. That is so true. We are living, we are racing, we are burning time. The amazing thing is if you're going to start giving God time, He will give you time back. I've noticed that in my life. The more you give God time, He gives you time back. I remember once I had a, a big task ahead of me and I said, Lord, I just haven't got enough man hours to do this specific task. And I prayed about it. And this is my prayer. I said, Lord, you, know, you, you might find it funny, but I said, Lord, please send me angels to help me today to do my work. I went to him first. And you know what? I worked a normal day hours in the office and by the end of the day all the work was done. I didn't see angels around me. I did the work myself. But you know what? He just quickened it. 
So it is about, he says, it is time for you yourself to dwell in panel houses. You give yourself time, but you give God no time. That's the message. I want to say, brother and sister, whatever you do, whatever you do, put God first and he will then. And we're going to see that now. He says, consider your ways. Procrastination is not taking time to complete a task. There is consequences for not giving God time. This is what it is. It's not taking time to complete the task. That is what procrastination is. You're using time on other things instead of doing what you need to do. God's work must come before our ways, our work. And God's ways must come before ours. Now I'm going to finish up this morning. Let me just quickly go through this. Consequences of not giving God time is in the next verse. Look at verse 6. He says, you've sown so much and bring in a little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You, you clothe yourself, but you're not warm. And you earns wages, earns wages, put it into a bag with holes. That feels like me sometimes. You know, inflation goes up, this goes up, electricity bills goes up and all. Leonie just told me yesterday what the electricity bill was. I nearly jump on another plane. <laughs> but it's all of these things that added in. You know, look at this now. This is not good. This is the situation that I hear people complain on a daily basis, this verse. People will never have enough. They will always want more, but they will always feel they haven't got it. Thus says the Lord, consider your ways. He uses it twice. He says, consider your ways. Now, this is not a new principle, and this is where I want to tell you this. That God will use any means to get your attention. He will use any means to get your attention. So you better start listening to Him before this happens. It's not new. In Genesis 3 verse 17, what happens? They sinned. Mankind sinned through Adam. And what did happen there? You need to read the whole chapter. I'm parachuting into this. In verse 17 he says, Then to Adam he says, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and not of God, you have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Friend, sir, madam, brother, sister, Whatever you want to be called this morning, know this. God will get your attention if He wants it. And He will use any means to get your attention. Romans chapter 8 verse 20. For the creation was subject to futility through sin. Not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also delivered from bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans in labor for birth banks together until now. What does it mean? It means that God will use these things that we saw in that verse up there to bring your attention. You work so hard. I know of people doing three jobs to make ends meet. But they never put God first. They will never have time for God. You know what? They earn wages with bags with holes in them. Now I must say, some people, they make their own holes in those bags. That's a separate message, okay? It's a different message. Now Haggai says this, there's consequences of this. 
God will use these circumstances. And He comes to you and me this morning and He says, Consider your ways. Look at your life. Look how hard you've tried to fix your life. Look how hard you've tried to build your life. To come to a point. And you know what people do. Listen to me this morning. Before you nod off. Yapi, you still with me? Good. <laughs> I didn't see you not any time, my brother. That's why I'm still not preaching loud. But here's the thing. I want you to listen to this. And, and, and you know, people will not consider their ways. They will continue in their lives and they will try to make their lives and build their lives. Never give God any time. And then they will find them in a place where they don't want to be. But it's because of the choices they've made here before. And then once they get to this place, then they'll blame God. It's your fault, God. But all He's asking of you is time. Time to work on these things. In Amos chapter 4 verse 6, we find the same thing. There's five things in that passage that is, that is working against a child of God who's not giving God time. In Amos, the same thing happens. Let me read this for you. Amos 4 verse 6. Also, I give you cleanness of teeth in all your cities. Don't you love the word of God? What does it mean when he gives you cleanness of teeth? Have you ever thought about it? It means that you didn't put food in your mouth. Because food makes your teeth whether you like it or not, it makes your teeth dirty. You need to brush your teeth. Yes? He says, it's not going to be food for you. He says, he also give you cleanness of teeth in all your cities, a lack of bread in all your places, yet you have not returned to me. Now look at this. Now notice how many times he says, you have not returned to me. You see, this is why I'm saying God will use circumstances circumstances, all of the things here. He says, consider your ways. In the book of Amos, he used different words. He says, I've given you no food, yet you have not returned to me. You have not returned to me, says the Lord. I've also withheld rain from you when there was still three months of harvest. I've made rain on, on one city withheld rain from another city. One part was rained upon, and where he did not rain, the part with it. So two or three cities wandered to another city to drink the water. But they were not satisfied. You see, it goes back to what that guy said. They were not satisfied. Yet you have not returned to me. God wants their attention. I blasted you with blight and mildew. When you thought things was going wrong, blight and mildew came in. When your gardens increased, your vineyards, your fig trees, your olive trees, the locusts devoured them. You have not returned to me, says the Lord. Okay. A few weeks ago I preached this sermon. You say, how can I apply it to my life? Let me do it for you. I know. Haggai was talking about a physical place, the temple. A physical temple which they built. The foundations were there. And... What happens if they finish the, 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 the temple? What is happening? They would know that that is the place where God would live with them. That's God's house. That's God's house. What is it in the New Testament? What is it in the New Testament? Is it this place? This is a funeral home. I don't want to live here. This is a dead home. We're preaching the word of life here. It's a funeral home. Just relax for those who don't know. There's no corpses behind me, okay? It's a satellite place, okay? But here is the thing. 
God is not looking for buildings like this anymore. So you can say that doesn't apply to us, Haggai. We're not going to build God a real house. But this is the thing in the New Testament. Let me finish with this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, he says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Hello? Didn't you know that? Well, if you didn't know it, now you should know it. That your body is the, is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and not of your own. Look at this. I love this verse. He says the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you. Everybody do this. Just quickly. That's where he is. He's in you. If you are a born again, blood-washed child of God, the Spirit of God comes in to make a habitation, a dwelling place in you. In John chapter, John chapter 14, Jesus turns to his disciples. He says, I'm going away. He says, but I've prayed the Father. And this is what he prayed. He said, I prayed the Father sent you another comforter who will be with you and in you forever. That's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God comes in. He lives inside of you. Didn't you know that? Paul says. Didn't you know that? Come on. You should know that. But it's not in everybody. It's not a person who says, I'm a Christian. You have to be born again. The house has to be cleaned out before the Spirit comes in. Okay? And now he says it there. He says, and you are not your own. He says, but you have this from God. Now, now we know. This is now the temple. How does this message apply then? Procrastination. I preached it a few weeks ago. You can go and listen to it. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 6. If... If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Christ and of the word and the doctrine carefully followed. Uh, I think I've used the wrong scripture verse there. But the scripture and the message that I've given you is that we have to pursue godliness. We have to train and pursue godliness. What does that mean? We live a life acceptable to God. The things I used to do those things I do no more. Do you understand what that means? It means that we are not conducting willfully in sin. It means that when the Holy Spirit comes to you and He deals with you and you know that there's this one thing in your life that you need to take care of, I want you to come to the point to give God time and to say, come Holy Spirit and cleanse me. Come Holy Spirit and strengthen me so that I may live a godly. The word that I was looking for, exercise yourself in godliness. Exercise yourself in godliness. It's not following laws. It's not coming under the law and sit there and, and write a lot of rules and I'm going to break. That's not what it is. I'm under Christ. But the law still applies. It's not washed. It's not gone. I'm under Christ. But I'm going to give Him time and I'm going to exercise godliness. Consider your ways this morning. Next week, we're going to see how you get out of procrastination. He says, wonderful. God just don't tell you what the problem is. He gives you the out. Now, if you want to hear that, you have to be here. Don't procrastinate on that one now, okay? <laughs> See, I caught you. I got you now. If you're not sitting up next week, I can call you up and go, procrastinator. I won't do that. I won't do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. Father, your word is so wonderful. Your word is the plumb line in our lives. It makes crooked things right. 
it cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul. And it is the discerner of the heart. Father, thank you that you've spoken to my heart this morning. Help me now through your Holy Spirit, Lord, to heed to your word, to search for things in my life where I can spend more time with you, give you more time. Help me, Lord, in the task that I need to do, that I don't procrastinate in that. That I work, Lord, and do everything heartily and as unto you.